0: to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. With us today is a fifth-generation dairyman with the highest-producing herd in the nation's number one dairy county for milk production, Tulare, California. Mike Santos Jr. dairies with his father and brother and their wives at Terra Linda Dairy. Mike, welcome to Dairy Voice.
1: Thank you, Joel. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's let's talk a little bit about your herd's production. It's been the highest-producing herd in Tulare DHI for seven consecutive years. And in 2020, last year, with an average of 34,180 pounds of energy corrected milk per cow, and a rolling herd average of 32,107 pounds of milk and 1,262 pounds of fat on 3x. Now that's some serious milk production for sure. Let's let's tell us a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, there's a lot of things that go into that that production number and. uh, First and foremost, I'm a big believer um, in the genetic part. I think your cows have to have the right genetics and the capability of producing that milk. Um, We've bred for production and confirmation over the years. Um, We're big believers in fat and protein uh, components. Um, We look at cow families with deep maternal lines. Um, We like to select bulls that have very good or excellent dams in the pedigrees. So we're really eyeing that very closely and and big believers um, on the pedigree side. And then another big factor that goes into it are your forages. And uh, we're lucky to have really good ground in in TID district where uh, we farm our alfalfa, corn silage, wheat silage. And um, we try to really shoot for that 35% starch on our corn silage and our alfalfa hay. We're always trying to make hay with 20, 21% protein at a minimum uh, through the good uh, spring months when we're trying to make milk out hay, we can get up to 23, 24% protein. So we're big believers in the protein on the alfalfa and the starches on the corn silage. And my brother, Craig, he takes care of the farming. And uh, my dad, Mike, also uh, has a big hand in the farming operation as well. Um, so I think those two factors, genetics and your forage quality are really what's going to play a big role in your production. Obviously there's other things that go into it like cow comfort, cow cooling throughout the year. Um, and so we just try to keep an eye on all the little things, um, especially in the barn. We uh, really strive for good protocols inside the barn prepping cows. Um, we've had a stable uh, crew of employees that do a great job. Um, and I think that stability has helped, um, you know, keep the production flowing.
0: Sure, let's circle back for a moment to your your mention about forage production. When you said TID, that I presume is Tulare Irrigation District, which means you have some access to water for your cropping. And uh, you may be in a better position than some others here in Central California. Yeah, you know,
1: it's, it, it's an ongoing issue for the whole state of California. Water, you know, is the number one issue. Um, dairy industry and agriculture is facing going forward in the state of California. Um, all of our land is in TID, which we are able to get surface water when we do have wet years. Um, this year, unfortunately was not one of those years. So, you know, it's been a tough year from that standpoint, but the ground quality, um, it's really rich in nutrients. It, it grows good forages. Um, it's really grade A, uh, land to farm. And we're very fortunate that our previous ancestors, they settled in this area for a reason, um, you know, being fertile ground. And so I think that's played a big part, you know, in the quality of, of crops we can grow in this area. But water is is a huge issue in this state. I mean, going forward, I, I would say that's the number one issue. Without water, uh, nothing could be sustained. So um, there has to be some more common sense in California. And I'm afraid that Um, you know, the politicians, they don't always see it the same way and it's been a struggle and I'm hoping, you know, going forward, you know, we can work and and get this situation, um, to improve. It's a, it's a difficult situation we're all in, but we definitely need, um, these years, uh, to have more, uh, snowpack and we need to be able to save that water and not drain it and waste it. Um, that's just the big issue right now. So we are fortunate, though, we are in an um, irrigation district that we feel will hold value on our land.
0: I'm speaking to you from uh, Madera, California, which is oh, 75 miles north of where you are. And there's some dairy activity, pretty significant dairy activity in what are called white areas here in California, which means they aren't covered by irrigation districts and they have to rely on groundwater pumping, which is impacted by the new regulations. So um, your uh, location in an irrigation district sure seems like uh, an advantage at this point.
1: Yeah, it can be. Um, Like I said, we do need the wet years for that to be an advantage. But um, yeah, there are going to be pumping restrictions down the road. Um, You know, so it's, it's definitely going to play a huge factor, especially, um, you know, the the farms that are, that are not in those, uh, irrigation districts, they're going to be in a disadvantage and, um, you know, there's going to be consequences to that. So going forward, it's, 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 um, it's a complicated situation. And I think there's a lot of answers to be, uh, a lot of questions to be answered
0: still. No, no doubt about it. Hi, I'm Tim
1: Hammerich. Looking for your next podcast? Check out the Fresh Cow Files from Zoetis, where we'll discuss hot industry topics including antibiotic stewardship, employee training, transition cow periods, and more. The more you train employees, the better they're at making decisions for the well-being of animals. So if you're ready for some eye-opening insights, I sincerely hope you'll join us on the Fresh Cow Files, available wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Uh, In your Tulare DHI organization, the uh, current uh, average herd size for the uh, 90 herds or so in your association is a little over 2,100 cows. Tell us about your herd size, uh, cows and heifers, uh, and kind of the scale of your operation. So
1: our uh, milking and dry stock, we're about 1,500 heads. So we're below average on the Tulare County uh, numbers. Um, our philosophy has been um, quality over quantity. And I, and I do believe in size and scale that that does help uh, efficiency, but we've, the setup we're, we're in right now, we've just really concentrated on the quality of cows that we can milk through the barn. And we try to maximize each cow unit, each stall, and it's given us um, sort of an advantage to, to pick and choose and, And to milk the cattle we want to milk, and we have a really good excess market in the valley where we're able to supply extra females and and sell them privately or publicly. We currently have around 2,100 replacements, uh, so we do have an excess of females, and we do that purposely because of the market. Um, We do have a premium on our cattle, and um, we have a lot of activity um, in-state and out-of-state um, so there are avenues, uh, to sell the extra females. And then we're able to, uh, you know, milk the set amount of cows we have on our place. And every year our goal is, is to try to increase the herd average in production by a thousand pounds per cow.
0: That's an ambitious uh, approach for sure. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, the details of your breeding program, sire selection, uh, uh, any flushing that you're doing. I know that your herd has generated some elite uh, genetics uh, from a genomic standpoint. Uh, talk, talk a little bit more about that.
1: So from the day-to-day, day-to-day operation on our uh, milking herd, we uh, are on a double off sync. We breed once a week on Fridays. Um, I individually mate the cows um, on a certain set of sires that I have set aside Um, The kind of bulls that we look for are production-based, confirmation-based. We put an emphasis on others, uh, dairy strength and width. Um, I know that's the opposite of the direction the Holstein breed wants to go. Um, There's a big push for net merit and um, small cows. Um, I'm of the believer that cows with the capacity to consume feed and to produce milk are your most profitable cows. And... I would stake the reputation of our herd against anyone's uh, with the production we pull and the feed efficiency uh, that we're able to achieve. Um, Our nutritionist, who does over 30 herds in this area, um, he lets us know where we're at in terms of efficiency on pounds of feed and milk. And we seem to be near the top, and we do have medium-sized to larger cows. um, But I'm okay with that as long as they're making the milk pay the bills. So kind of bulls we like, we like the good udders, good feet and legs, the deep maternal lines. Like I said, we go to the very good and excellent kind of cows we want to breed. And we breed them once a week um, on the Fridays. And we also do embryo work every Friday as well, where we use the virgin heifers and the first lactation as recipients. Um, we have a pretty extensive um, embryo program. We currently, uh, OPU or IVF 15 to 20 head every two weeks. Um, so we're making anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 embryos a year. Those are going into our herd and also a select few recip herds in the valley. Um, so we're basically what we're doing with, with that end is we're putting, uh, our high genomic uh, females, and we're mating them to the highest, newest uh, genomic males. And we are selective. We don't just use the highest males available. We, we we look at the other things that we prefer in our herd, because at the end of the day, we still have to milk these animals, because not all of them are going to go to stud, and not all of them are going to be merchandise. Um, you know, from that standpoint. So that's basically our program in a nutshell. Um, I would say right now, um, I don't have the exact number, but bulls and stud for AI, we have uh, close to 30 right now. We have bulls at Select Sires, t uh, ST, uh, Blondin, um, Alta Uris, and we just sent a bull to Jetstream. And we have a couple bulls that are in the European market. Um, some of these bulls are producing semen right now, and some of these bulls, will be in the future so we're constantly looking uh, to put bulls in in stud that's another way to increase revenue um, in our program so uh, yeah I mean it's it's a little different than than probably the normal herd out there but I do believe that the embryos um, the embryo side of things is really catching on in industry people want to milk the best of the best so we've been doing it for quite a while now and our theory is if we have the top 25% or so, those are the kind of cows you want to populate your whole population. So the more calves we can get out of that top percentile, the better. So uh, we're firm believers in the genetics. We think that's what separates the winners, the winners from the losers in terms of cows. You know, you got a dairy herd that milks their cows and they're on the same ration, same routine, um, The only difference in these cows is their genetic makeup. That's what's going to make a 100-pound cow versus a 150-pound cow because they're getting fed the same ration. They're getting uh, cared the same way. They're getting milked the same way. Um, So the the dividing factor is their genetic makeup. And so we've always believed that, and I think it's it's helped our uh, herd grow to where it is today.
0: Mike, a little more detail. T- just tell us the difference uh, in the cows in your herd between the ones that are going to be recipients for some of these animals versus the ones that are generating uh, the embryos. What, are you looking at genomics? Are you looking at production levels? Um, are you looking at type or some combination, eyeballing? H- how do you sort out which yeah. ones are going to carry an embryo and which ones are going to carry a calf?
1: Yeah, so our milk cows, um, it's a combination of things. Um, they obviously have milking records at that point when they're cows. So we're going off their milking records combined with their genomic numbers. Um, that's two big factors that we look at. Obviously, um, we're looking at the first service on those for recips. So we do we do kick out some that we feel like are, you know, producing at a high level that are high genomically. We will breed those first service but the ones that we feel like we can make an improvement on, they will be a recip on that first service. After the first service, we go strictly to AI on all milk cows and first and second lactations, they will get two to three services of sex and we will still use conventional semen on the older cows. Um, Some older cows will get sex, but we try to stick with conventional semen. And I know that's um, sort of a dying breed people using conventional Holstein semen, but I'm still a big believer in some of the bulls that don't make sex semen to still use those genetic pool. We still use the, the conventional semen on those. We use a very small, I would say 5% of our cow breeding milk, cow breedings to Angus. Um, we just, we do a small portion. I know there's some herds out there that get quite aggressive with it. Um, but for some of the reasons I had mentioned earlier about our, our excess market um, with females, we're able to sell our excess females um, for a premium. So we still are a firm believer in using Holstein semen on the majority of our milk cows. Um, but we do dabble in the Angus a little bit. Um, we've gotten up to 10% at times, but it's 5 to 10 um, any any point in time. And then the virgin heifers, all first service get an embryo as a recept and then any service after that goes directly to sex semen Uh, we do not use conventional semen on our virgins we're a big believer in sex for virgins um, for calving purposes we've um, many years ago maybe a decade maybe longer than that we sort of eliminated conventional semen on virgins and we saw a really nice decrease in doas and calving issues along with metritis. So it just was a natural thing to stick with sex semen throughout uh, the Virgin's uh, time spread. So that's, that's basically our program and how we decide on which gets an embryo and, and which gets uh, sex semen or conventional semen or angus.
0: And I would expect since you have a strong commercial cow market uh, using conventional semen with resulting bull calves, uh, you've got a market for breeding bulls too, I would, I would ask, I guess.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we have a, a fairly nice market for uh, breeding jumper bulls. Um, we've sold in-state, out-of-state. Um, we sold loads of 50, 60 bulls at a time. Um, there's a lot of dairymen out there now that they'll request the genomic information on the breeding bulls. I'll send them a file. They pick out the bulls they like. And I'll sell bulls as young as three, four months old, but they prefer to pick the bulls off a spreadsheet and they're getting exactly what they want with the traits they're looking for because every dairyman is looking at different traits and there's no right or wrong way to do it, but there's different traits, different dairymen emphasize. And so when I'm able to supply a spreadsheet of options of, of jumper bulls, they're able to come back and say, Hey, these bulls interest me. Um, These are the ones I want. So we do have a robust um, market for those jumper bulls. At any given time, we will have a hundred or so bulls on hand. And um, we do have a nice market privately and publicly.
0: Give us an idea of uh, some of the sires that you're currently uh, using, some of the AI bulls that you're currently using.
1: Yeah, so for the milk cows and the virgin heifers, they're they're pretty similar uh, bulls that I'm using right now. Um, I'm using um, bulls like Hannans, King Doc, Perfect, Renegade, Conway, Harper, Oz, Porsche, and Alta Hailed, and pretty much all of those bulls I'm interchanging through the virgins and the cows. Um, most of those bulls can be sexed or conventional. Um, as you can tell, quite a few of those bulls like Hannons, King Doc, Perfect, they all have really good conformation, uh, very deep maternal lines. Um, we're trying to breed cows that do a good job in the performance side, and they're going to last functionality-wise. They're going to have great feet and legs. They're going to have good udders. They're going to last a long time. Um, so those are the kind of bulls that we're picking right now for like the Early release semen, there's a variety of bulls that we're using right now. Just to name a few, there's a bull called Elon, Monte Verde, Dykstra, Positive Deluxe, Grey Cup, Alta McAfee, Alta Kevlo, Hilmar Brass, Alta Zimini, Fugelman, Peak Fantismo.
0: Um, On the
1: type side, we're using bulls like Haxel, DJ Hanno, champion red. Uh, those are the higher TPI type bulls that we're using, um, on some specialty matings. So we, we use a combination of, of high GTPI, high production, high type. Um, so those are, those are the bulls we're using and, and, and we're real happy with, with the program that we put in place quite a few years ago. We feel like it's really worked well for us. Um, I really like can in, hand mating our milk cows every Friday because we're breeding once a week. So what I'll go through is I'll go through each cow. I'll go through her cow card. I'll go through her pedigree and I'll able to match them up with the bulls that I feel compliment. So I think that's really um, been a, been a good thing individually mating the milk cows. I know it's time consuming and, and not all dairymen have the time to do that, but it's a passion of mine. Um, I feel it's important. So I do spend time on that
0: speaking of going through the cows, we're talking about your registered Holsteins, and that's pretty much exclusively, I mean, pretty much all your cattle are registered. Do you use the Holstein Association's classification program?
1: Yes, we do. We classify uh, three times a year, and we usually classify on each stop uh, three to four hundred each time. Um, Over 65% of our herd is 83 points or above and over 55% is very good or excellent. So we have a large portion of our herd um, that's very good or excellent. Um, I think that that is um, an important aspect of cattle that lasts a long time. And I know there's a big push for net merit and it doesn't matter what the cows look like. We're just looking at the health traits, but I'm, I'm old school. I, I think it matters what the cow's functionality is because at the end of the day, It it has to all work together to get her consuming the feed, producing the milk, getting to the barn, coming back from the barn, being comfortable. All of that matters. And so I think functionality is a lost art in the Holstein breed. And I think that there is becoming too much emphasis on numbers and sitting behind the computer. I think walking your cows and looking at your cows is a lost art. And I... I think that, I think that there's a value into walking your cows and seeing what you're milking and, and knowing your cows. I think that's a huge thing. And I think a lot of people, well, I don't want to say a lot, but I, I hear that the emphasis isn't there as it used to be, but I'm a big believer in it. I I like knowing what my cows are doing and I like walking them every day. You can learn a lot from walking through your cows um, and watching them go to the barn. Um, There's a lot to be said about that.
0: Well, I think, uh, your results, uh, speak for themselves in terms of the demand for your cattle and your high levels of production and, and longevity too, that's, you're doing a great job. Now you do have some time for off the farm work. You've uh, been president for the last year or two of the Tulare DHI organization. Uh, are you involved in, uh, how, how does that go and, and why do you do that? And are you involved in any other dairy or ag groups? Yeah, so
1: I'm involved with the uh, Tulare DHIA, uh, been the past president um, for two years. Um, I feel like it's an important um, board to be on. You you learn a lot uh, through the other members of the dairymen on the board. Um, all right, yeah, so I followed in my dad's footsteps. Um, he was on the Tulare DHIA board um, as a past president. Um, a lot of great dairymen and families have been on that board. So it's sort of been a tradition in this in this area, you know. So I've I've really enjoyed it. Um, worked worked with a lot of great dairymen on that board. Um, I think it's a very important board to be on. I think information is is powerful, and I think with um, testing and your components, your somatic cell, um, and all those things that the DHI uh, provides, I think it's value, and I think info the more info you can have the better decisions you can make so at the end of the day i, I just think it's it's a it's a really it's a really good uh, business and it and it serves the dairymen and adds value to them
0: i think that's very well stated mike any other thoughts uh, and and uh, points of view that you'd like to share as we as we wind up here
1: i'm really thankful to be a dairy farmer um especially uh i'm a fourth generation um uh, me and my brother's kids will be a fifth generation. Um, There's not a lot of businesses that go two or three generations, let alone four. So uh, me and my brother Craig are really proud of that. Um, The groundwork was laid by my grandpa, Manuel, and my dad, Mike. And uh, we're just proud and happy to carry on that tradition of of family farming. I would feel it's a great way to raise a family, I think it's a lot of hard work, but there's a lot of reward to it. We do have challenges like any industry. California does make it tough um, in a lot of areas, but you know, right now the positives saw away the negatives. Um, we love our cows, uh, we love the genetic part about it. We love farming in the valley with the ground we have, some of the most valuable land in this valley and we're happy to be here and um, we hope to continue on and we appreciate the time uh, you took with us and we really enjoyed it.
0: Well, thank you, Mike. You've got a great story to tell. You and your family have accomplished and are accomplishing a lot. That's for sure. We've been talking today with Mike Santos Jr. from Tulare, California on Dairy Voice. This is your host, Joel Hastings. You can find us at dairybusiness.com.